You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today I'm talking with Paolo. He is listening to this podcast from the very beginning. He's one of the first listeners that I had more contact to and that also gave me some feedback about the podcast. And there were a lot of further development beyond that that you will learn about in this podcast episode. We speak about a really important topic. We talk about how to display uncertainty in your visualizations. This is really, really important so that others can make good decisions and have a good understanding of how much variability there is or how much precision there is. So stay tuned and now the music. I heard there are still many out there that are not on LinkedIn which I cannot completely understand. I know can, these kind of social media can be distracting and they maybe are something that people feel will, you know, have create a lot of work or um, yeah, just, you know, waste a lot of uh, time. But I think LinkedIn is a really exception because you'll not find just a lot of, you know, fancy stuff there or boring stuff like yet another cat video but you get a lot of really really good content and you also can grow your network and there's lots of opportunities in terms of collaboration in terms of new jobs in terms of you know getting more exposure out there so depending on whether you want to just kind of see who's out there or whether you want to actually be part of the let's say, content producing community, get over to LinkedIn and um, if you're then there, then follow me and uh, you'll get much more content from my side there as well. So head over to LinkedIn and sign up and connect to me. That would be very, very valuable. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video on demand content library, free registration to all the PSI webinars and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode and today I'm talking to Paolo who is a long-term listener of this podcast and actually we met through this podcast because uh, as a listener he contacted me at some time and uh, as he was thinking about moving uh, outside of his current position and whether it would be a good idea to move into the pharma industry. And um, yeah, that was a really, really great, great start for um, more longer term collaboration. And now we are working together on a daily basis, which is really good. So Paolo, but um, maybe you can, you know, explain a little bit about yourself, about, about your career. 
Thanks, Alexander. It's really a pleasure to be here. So I think that uh, I'm quite addicted to podcasts in general. And uh, I should say that uh, uh, the Effective Statistician post podcast is uh, my favorite one. And uh, we met uh, through this podcast. And uh, I was quite surprised that um, in the beginning, uh, Alexander asked me for some feedback how to improve episodes or what interesting topics uh, could be covered. So it was quite... Uh, Uh, interesting uh, approach to ask for feedback for listeners. So I'm Paolo Eusebi. I'm based in uh, Italy, in a beautiful region uh, in the middle of Italy, which is Umbria. I spent almost um, the entire my career in uh, academia and the public sector until uh, 2019, I have mainly worked with um, neurology area and uh, other uh, therapeutic area. I provided uh, support to uh, regulatory uh, authorities and uh, regional government bodies trying to keep our healthcare systems uh, organized and uh, providing uh, the right treatments for uh, our patients. I was also involved in uh, many research projects and uh, mainly in the neurological uh, field, mainly on biomarkers. So mm -hmm. finding, for example, the best biomarkers for the diagnosis of Alzheimer's disease, investigating the utility of these biomarkers uh, as inclusion criteria for clinical trials or um, maybe as a diagnostic tool in clinical practice mm -hmm. for providing uh, you know early uh, diagnosis to people with Alzheimer's disease and uh, I've been also interested in uh, uh, meta-analysis both interventional and diagnostic ones and uh, I, I was Uh, quite involved in the activities of the Cochrane uh, collaboration at international and uh, national uh, level. And uh, then I've been also interested in uh, meta-research activities in, in terms of uh, investigating uh, how different kind of uh, research provide support to uh, decision makers Mm -hmm. or patients, yeah. if it's better to have, uh, um, you know, intention to treat or modified intention to treat in clinical trials, yeah, this kind of stuff. Many yeah, today things. actually we talk also a little bit about meta-research in some yeah. way, because we are talking about um, how can we best display uncertainty. And so usually there's a lot of, you know, data that we provide. And yeah, w w the general public, I think, thinks a lot in terms of means and proportions and things like this. But of course, we know that all of these things are not yeah, certain. Um, 
actually the opposite. There's, there's always some uncertainty uh, on, on all the data that, that we get. And so, of course, we are not the, yeah, as researchers, we are not the only ones that, that deal with these uh, uncertainty. In, um, you've looked into a couple of examples that is more used in the, yeah, in the public press in terms of uh, displaying uncertainty. So what kind of examples of, of displaying uncertainty have you found there? I think that uh, we, we have um, many examples from areas in which it's quite crucial to provide um, uh, sensible information uh, to large public like weather forecast mm -hmm. or uh, polls for uh, an, uh, a presidential election in United States, for mm -hmm. example. So it's quite crucial to deliver uh, a message to the people. And so people working uh, in the models behind this message uh, know that there is uncertainty in in the in, in the data and in the final estimates and it's quite crucial to provide um this uh, uncertainty in the message like um, it's quite uh, uh, a famous example the new york times needle for the um, election of the president of united states in mm -hmm. 2016 so we have a quite uh, um, popular uh, graphical display like a gauge plot mm -hmm. and you have this uh, needle um, just running in the different uh, portion of the gauge plot showing uh, if the chance of winning the presidency for the uh, for this candidate is likely or very likely or toss up maybe and you have this uh, needle uh, moving uh, quite fast between the uh, 25th and uh, 75th percentile. Yeah. So yeah. it's quite a nice um, uh, display showing that, uh, you know, this is, these are the data, but, uh, you know, things are not certain. Yeah, yeah. It gives kind of a um, good feeling because, you know, you get over time, you know, with, the, with this animated version of displaying uncertainty, uh, a feeling that, you know, there's, there's instability. You know, so, so directly when you're looking at it, you, you directly get this feeling of instability. Like if you're looking at any kind of uh, measurement that is kind of moving all the, all the way, like if you have, for example, um, a scale or something like this, and says it's moving a little bit upwards and downwards, um, all the times, and you know, okay, it says, you know, it's not super, super pre uh, precise. And here with the polls, and you also see and directly get that impression. Um, and you cannot even, you know, pinpoint what is, what's the average here. Yeah. So you see, yeah. oh, it's about there. Yeah. But, but you, you, you cannot really say, oh, the average poll result tells me it will be, you know, 52% versus 48% in favor of this person. Yeah. And so that's, that's an interesting uh, way. What, what else do, uh, did you find? 
Yeah, also in terms of politics, the Trump's approval uh, tracker from 538, mm-hmm. uh, which is a block covering uh, mainly sport and politics uh, issues. And it's quite nice that uh, this um, um, approval tracker uh, shows the confidence bands uh, surrounding the point estimates of mm-hmm. um, you know the this simple question so of if you agree or disagree with the uh, presidential um, uh, you know actions and um, you have also predictions and yeah. there is a nice way to cover predictions which, which is lightening a bit the the, the areas and um, put in um, a dashed line instead of a solid line for the estimate. Yeah. And you see that, uh, you know, it's future, so it's less certain that the story behind us. So Yeah. So it's, it's really nice because you can both see kind of the history and, and how it's kind of variable over time. So that's one uh, point in terms of variability. Then the other point is kind of at a given time point, the uncertainty with the confidence bands. And then, you know, that you see from up to today and then beyond, you see also another differentiation in terms of how, how uncertainty is, is displayed differently and that the you know, uncertainty increases with this time uh, moving into the future. Where I always kind of struggle a little bit is with these um, yeah, bands or, you know, the, the confidence intervals that, that we sometimes see because I think it's, it doesn't show so nicely the distribution. Yeah, so, so it's, of course, you know, uh, if you think of a distribution function, the probability close to the um, point estimate is, is you know, that the, 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 it's much bigger than, you know, to the end. And then it doesn't kind of go from one to zero, <laughs> like, these, like these bands kind of suggest, but it's, you know, it, it moves gradually to zero. So that's one of the things that I don't so much like about confidence intervals. It's at least some way to, to go feeling, give some feeling for it. The other point is, of course, sometimes it gets confused in terms of what is the population variation and what is the variability of the estimate. Yeah. So uh, these are basically two uncertainties and... I think sometimes people mix it up quite easily and, and uh, confuse these, these two topics. Yeah, of course, uh, if you have, um, you know, BMI from uh, United States and uh, BMI from Europe and uh, you mix up the two populations, of course, your, your estimates have a larger uh, confidence intervals, but mm-hmm. there's... It's nothing to do with the BMI. It's, it's, it's all about the different populations involved. Yeah. And we, we have a quite large problems in 
conveying the message effectively to people with this kind of confidence bands because our brain is hardwired to get uh, suddenly an overall picture of uh, phenomena so it's trying to get the, the 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 holistic picture of what's happening and maybe can perceive that uh, all the confidence bands are equally likely or maybe that outside these confidence bands nothing is possible yeah yeah, yeah. are two different you know mistakes we can uh, do so there's another example that you found uh, about hurricane prediction yeah and of course i think we all know this kind of cone-like approach where you can see kind of where the hurricane may move over the next next days. Um, but I also have seen where people then show kind of a couple of different simulations of these actual moves of the hurricane. So you, you see kind of, let's say, from a simulation of 100 different, you know, possible ways the, the hurricane can move, you can see each of these trajectories. What do you think about that approach? I think that um, it's uh, really nice. And uh, of course, uh, this is an active uh, uh, research area. And uh, this is quite a solution with, compared to the cone of uncertainty approach. And uh, it's quite nice because uh, you can have uh, the uh, Im impression that uh, the uh, final outcome of a prediction depends on, you know, modeling uh, assumptions, random sampling, uh, you know, algorithms, whatever. And we can have uh, uh, as many trajectories uh, we, uh, we want. And uh, we can have uh, these trajectories overlapping and uh, giving us <clears throat> some gradient effect, showing the likelihood of this uh, track, but also the, um, the, the fact that uh, one trajectory um, is possible and uh, we don't have uh, a you know, whole area devastated by the hurricane in the end yeah. and uh, it, it's nice because it's something that we can apply also in uh, our uh, uh, biomedical research yeah. because we can uh, simulate different things maybe different um, imputation uh, scenarios for our longitudinal data and see how the conclusions change according to different assumptions or simply you know different samples resampling of of, of the same um, uh, data set yeah 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 completely agree but now you did also some meta research in terms of what's actually the current status in in medical research what did you do there i uh, we tried to uh, provide simple approach limiting our um, uh, meta research uh, 
field. So we uh, picked up uh, 700 records of published studies in top medical journals like JAMA, uh, Annals of Internal Medicine, uh, BMJ, New England Journal of Medicine, Lancet. Uh, and uh, we uh, did a, a random sampling of these uh, 700 papers. We came up with 50 studies and uh, we analyzed how these studies display certainty. Mm -hmm. Of course, these studies are related to uh, clinical studies findings. So there are no, you know, population studies, biomarker studies, or stuff like that, in order to have uh, an homogeneous sample. And uh, out of these 50 uh, papers, only uh, 39 papers showed the outcomes uh, with plots and uh, only 14 papers displayed uncertainty in some way you know good or bad so that is actually already quite an interesting finding only about a third of the papers in these top journals have a visualization of uncertainty which you know is blows my mind to be honest <laughs> yeah it's it's you know uncertainty is ingrained in all these studies and it's really important to convey the uncertainty to make meaningful decisions based on these results and it's not like well these are you know low-level journals kind of throw away journals that, you know, have no bigger impact. These are the best of the best, yeah? And so if it's even not, you know, well done in these areas, yeah, and we are not even speaking about well-done visualization, we are speaking about any visualization of uncertainty. Yeah, um, I think this can give us kind of an... an probably some kind of upper boundary of what's overall ha happening in medical research. So uh, what, what kind of uncertainty uh, this place did you find there mostly? Yeah, mostly quite, uh, you know, common uh, displays, like 95% uh, confidence bands surrounding uh, Kaplan-Meier curves or some box plots. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, some line charts with, uh, you know, showing the, uh, the outcome by treatment over time. And uh, we have these um, confidence bars surrounding the dots for each treatment and time point. And then uh, some forest plot for subgroup analysis. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think that uh, maybe, you know, for uh, some kind of uh, ordinal outcomes, for example, like a modified ranking scale in um, stroke, maybe people is struggling with the right way to display uncertainty because the, the usual approach is to draw stacked bar charts 
you know you have um, you have two treatments and you have two stacked bar charts for the modified ranking scales at the end of the um, uh, treatment period so but of course times allow to uh, you know do uh, a, a better work so we have um, so it's not it's not like the 70s when yep. you have uh, only black and white and uh, it's challenging to you know superimpose different time points or stuff like that now we can have uh, big software uh, useful tools and you know everything is possible and of it's quite surprising to see you know simple clustered bar charts in this top journal without you know any display of uncertainty yeah. even on the top of these bars yeah so i think there's a lot of topics we can learn from you know what what's happening especially also outside of medical research but yeah i think starting also now in med within medical research to better display uncertainty so for example if we think about the you know simulated trajectories for the hurricanes yeah that would correspond to showing you know what happened to the individual patients within the treatments yeah and better showing these kind of things i think for example kaplan meyer plots are basically already you know showing these more kind of individual patients it's maybe not you know that people are really aware about it but if you for example think about uh, showing how patients move over time on a, on a continuous scale or you know your ranking scale um, how would you do such an approach yeah i think that's uh, it's quite an interesting uh, question i think we have uh, animations Sense you you can uh, display uh, each patient as a line or a circle uh, floating uh, in the in the space over time, and uh, you can see uh, the uh, maybe patient uh, changing his color by according to the modified ranking scale level. And uh, it's quite interesting because yesterday we did training session to people working uh, in a patient-centered outcome research uh, department. And there was quite a nice example from one of the uh, people involved in this training showing, uh, you know, basically each patient as a circle. And, um, you know, you have this... Uh, movement between different states mm -hmm. so you you go from zero to one or from two to one and you can see the uh, the bubble for each of um, of each level you see the, the bubble increasing or or not depending on, on the effectiveness of the treatment so i think we 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 can have uh, many different approaches for showing uh, uncertainty and uh, showing the individual patient data yep. beyond our uh, results.
There's an interesting visualization that I saw one point um, at Flowing Data, this uh, pretty famous visualization blog, um, where you can see what Americans do over the period of a day. Yeah, so and where they are in terms of sleep, work, leisure time, um, commuting, and things like this. And um, so there's a you know sample of uh, Americans, each represented by a dot, and these different states are organized around a circle um, with with different colors. And so the um, as people kind of move from one uh, state to the next state, you know, the, the dots change the color and that is, you know, animated over uh, 24 hours. And so you can basically see what's happening. Yeah. So, so when people start to uh, get up, when people start to go to work and all these kind of different things, really, really nice display. And it shows what's, what is the uncertainty? What is the variability over? you know, at a given time point as well as over the day. If we all have something like these kind of categorical outcomes, that, yeah, is, is one potential to show it. And if it's kind of a ordinary categorical outcome, yeah, maybe it's not a circle, it's just you organize these kind of clusters along a line. Yeah, and you can show yeah. two, two lines next to each other for two different treatments. And you can have a Sankey diagram. Or a Sankey diagram, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. perfect for the situation. Yeah, like for instance, I did uh, two weeks ago one basic uh, Sankey diagram showing uh, the transition between uh, different states in uh, one scale. So it's quite um, nice and simple approach, yeah. and uh, it's quite communicative. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really don't understand why we are uh, always trapped uh, in our daily work with the same graphics uh, we did you know from the dawn of statistics <laughs> <laughs> line graphs and bar charts yeah <laughs> and a couple of my plots and <laughs> so it's yeah i completely agree there's you know there's a lot of tools available yeah i think when i talk to a lot of statisticians the two biggest reasons for why, um, and actually we didn't survey around that, is that the first is people are very busy with lots of other things, which for me tells me that's not important for them. Yeah, and, and I think yeah. it, it's, a, it's so critical. You know, we spend millions and lots of lots of time uh, creating this uh, data, and then, you know, at the last step where we communicate it, there we fail. Yeah. And so yeah. all the efforts that went into the design, the collection of the data, the analysis of the data, all this work then gets minimalized at the end. You know, it's, it's like putting a Ferrari engine, you know, in a really, really nice car and then the last step that you need to do is put on tires and you put on flat tires. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's completely wasted, wasted resources. Yeah, of course, if you have, a, you know, a phase two 
study, then maybe you, you just need to get the, the message for, you know, uh, continuing or not with a phase three trial and stuff like that. But we, we see the same problem also for uh, phase four uh, trials, for observational studies, for, you know, postdoc analysis, presentations for congresses or, you know, big medical conferences, always the same approach and communicating your results is critical and uh, important. So yeah. it's not like you're saying, uh, you know, something uh, uh, like fun and <laughs> and amusement. Yeah. yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. So, um, so there's a really good way to basically show the, the um, you know, patient level involvement. Uh, and and uh, that gives you a lot of um, better feelings. The other thing that helps so much there is that people actually see the individuals behind all this data. And I think that is a very, very powerful way to then tell a story. Yeah? And, you know, point at one of these dots and say, imagine this is, you know, a patient that you have in your clinic, yeah, if you're talking to a physician. He kind of represents and is typical for the overall population and see what happens to, to this person and how it's reflected in the overall population. And this that gives people a complete different, you know, emotional relationship to the data. And I think this is really important to, to learn from the data and to retain the data. Because we know from neuroscience research that if we have uh, an emotional connection to something, we are much better able to retain this knowledge. So this kind of storytelling about individuals is a powerful tool to communicate effectively. Yeah, and this is why many interesting uh, you know, papers come from some cognitive uh, specialist, like Lace Padilla, for instance, who is um, a specialist uh, in uh, con cognition and uh, neuro neural science, because many of these um, visualization issues, including uh, uh, the uh, uncertainty uh, display, are quite related to how our brain works. So... And it's a matter of uh, freeing up resources because we can uh, see much better the uh, overall picture uh, showing individual patient data, the estimates, the predictions, and stuff like that. And uh, it's also about uh, engaging the, the audience. Could yeah. be physicians, could be general public. But right now you have an interactive display, so everything is possible. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, and you know most of the journals accept these uh, electronic appendices. So uh, even if it doesn't cannot go into the main part, it can at least go into the uh, appendix. Yeah, and and for more kind of for lots of regular uh, for lots of you know 
usual electronic documents, you can, you know, uh, have some kind of uh, video or whatever embedded there. And even if that is not possible, yeah, you can find ways to have static display. So, for example, instead of having, you know, just confidence bands, you can, you know, have these bands colored in such a way that it reflects better the, the density around it. Yeah. And so there was recently a really nice display from um, Mark Bailey at one of the wonderful Wednesdays, where he looked into four different Kaplan-Meier plots. And um, then had small multiples for these uh, four plots because they were quite close to each other. And then within these four different small multiples, he was showing the different confidence bands for these in, in such a way. So, you know, that at the, uh, that kind of the color fades out the more it is away from the uh, average couple uh, of plot. I think the, yeah. there's, you know, lots of opportunities. There is another opportunity that you have also um, included in, a, in slides that you presented uh, recently at a um, PSI webinar is where you show the host single patients uh, basically change over time. And so in a some kind of stacked line chart. And we'll link to these slides in the show notes. So that will give you, you know, a little bit of an impression when you are, have time watching them, because I know many of people listen to the podcast while driving or while running or <laughs> while doing some yeah, other yeah. work. <laughs> so, so when you're back in the office, you can, you can have a look at the show notes and, and see kind of a couple of yeah. operations. But don't watch animations while you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> so... What are some good resources that you would recommend to display uncertainty in a, in a better way? A lot. I think that, for instance, the Alberto Cairo's book, The Trustful Art, mm -hmm. has a lot of interesting material in terms of uncertainty display. Like the um, maybe the book of Klaus Wilkie, about fundamentals of data visualization, which is quite rich in terms of um, R code uh, accompanying the book, but is not a technical book. So you can uh, read the book even uh, if you don't want to code at all. And uh, there is one chapter for uh, visualizing uncertainty. And it's quite interesting because it's the, you know, the frequentist counterpart to the work that already done by the Northwestern University group. Yeah. So the people behind the Tidy Bayes HAR package. So then another uh, important resource is the uh, MOO Collective directed uh, by Jessica Alman and Matt Kay website. Yeah, they're really? doing a lot of research on that. So yeah. It's actually, you know, in terms of how people perceive uncertainty uh, through different visualizations. Yeah, and I think that the hypothetical outcome plot 
display comes from that lab. Yeah. And they are quite uh, important people in the visualization um, research space. So, yeah. And then, of course, we have the uh, PSI Visualization Special Interest Group. Um, yeah, it's really, really interesting because a lot of uh, examples. I think that mainly in all of these interesting examples, there is a good coverage of the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and the nice thing is, as you mentioned, there's uh, a lot of you know R code out there, so uh, that makes it really easy to implement lots of these different things. So it's not that you need to kind of start from scratch. Um, there's lots of examples out there. And the, also the special interest group on visualization is about to launch a homepage where you will see kind of examples, text around it in terms of uh, what's good and bad about these different visualizations, as well as the example data sets and the example code. And yep. uh, that's an awesome uh, opportunity to get some inspiration, but also some practical help for the implementation. Yeah, it's very nice to see how different people tackle the same challenge with um, different approaches. Yeah, it's really inspiring. Yeah, and for the visualization special interest group, this is of course not about hurricane data or you know, uh, yeah, both. It's a, it's about you know the usual medical data that we work on, and uh, therefore it's very specific and relevant for all the different things that we're doing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks so much, Paolo. What was your main takeaway? from uh, working on uncertainty and, and uh, displaying uncertainty? Well, the main takeaway maybe is that uh, we need to um, involve more our audience, physicians and patients in our daily work. So what, what we do is for patient public healthcare there are a lot of different uh, resources, a lot of different um, stuff we can do. But I think the, the main point is to try to convey the right message to the right people. Mm -hmm. And maybe we need uh, to, to do more involvement of these um, people in uh, what we do routinely. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. Just because we as statisticians love tables because we want to see all the details doesn't imply that our audience also wants all the yeah. details. In, in or, or maybe we get, um, you know, um, in, in love with um, uh, complicated, overly complicated stuff just because are technically, you know, um, impressive. Yeah, but maybe it doesn't communicate anything to the general audience or physicians. Yeah, so we need a good balance. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Paolo. That was a great go through a couple of different topics in terms of what we can learn from lots of different examples out there in terms of displaying uncertainty. We started with the gauge chart that has this needle that is moving around and we went through a couple of different other displays. We mentioned 
you know, how you can show individual patients in the same way as you can show simulated hurricanes. That there's a lot of good resources out there, and that's really critical to work on this last piece of the research part where we communicate our findings. And here, as you said, thinking about the audience and what the audience needs is really, really important. So next time you work on visually on communicating your data, think about how you can visualize it and start working on it early, not by the time you get the data, but beforehand. That will help you to be prepared and have some nice visualizations. And from my experience, you usually get a lot of very, very good feedback on this type of work. So it's worth investing in that area. Thanks so much, Paolo, for... Thanks, Alexander. Awesome. I always love to have listeners of the podcast as, as guests as well. Yes, very impressive. Uh, <laughs> so you can give back to the community. Thanks so much. But I can't believe it. Bye, Alexander. Thanks a lot. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain who helps with the show in the background and thank you for listening. You can find all the different topics we talked about in the show notes. Given that we talked about visualizations, there's lots of topics there and lots of further material. So head over to the show notes where you find all the stuff. You also find the link to the video. This is part of the video on demand content library of PSI, which I talked about in the intro. And this was a PSI webinar as well, which I also talked about in the intro. If you're becoming a PSI member, then you have access to all this material and much, much more. So tell your colleagues about it. There's lots of further great, great content. Reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.